Chris, you're in Maine. I am in Maine right now. How do you like it? Maine's chill, man. Maine's chill. I read online there's a one. This entire state is has one percent of black of black people. Black people are just one percent of the population, and I realize that's the only time I'll ever be the one percent in this country. So, um, I have not met another black person, it, which is crazy. Because Maine's zero point five percent Asian people, and I've seen like two Chinese restaurants. So, all the Chinese people are in this one town. <laughs> the rest of the country, state, excuse me, has. Wouldn't Chinese it be funny people. if the Chinese run by the the like one percent of the black people in Maine? That would be funny because I would not be expecting that. That'd be funny, Isaac. Yeah, good. I'm glad you think that'd be funny. That's how funny uh, it so works. So you're you're in Maine. You're in Maine, but. Uh, the primary is on Tuesday. Are you going to be able to vote in time? You know, no, I'm not going to be able to make it there. I'm, and You're I not blame gonna it. Vote. And I blame it on gas. I don't have You're... enough gas to get to Florida in time for Tuesday. Oh, uh, I thought you meant like you're gassy and you didn't want to go to the voting booth. And it was a kind of a. You thought it'd be rude to be all stinky. The reality is I forgot that we were supposed to vote this Tuesday. I thought it was the following wow. Tuesday. Wow. So, yeah, no. Uh, it is uh, our subject matter for today's episode, which is democracy in, in the state of Florida. It was supposed to be a primer for everybody uh, to prepare them for the August 23rd primary. And... I guess it's one of those uh, do as I say, not as I do things because you're not going to vote. I'm not going to vote. And this is the thing. I think uh, America needs to start doing something different to get people to go out to vote. Um, I don't know what that is. I uh, I think what you guys, when I say you guys, the people who want to get voted, um, I think what you guys need to start doing is actually having people knocking your door and ask, telling, reminding people to vote. You know, literally just someone going, "Hey, did you? You know, we got to vote next Tuesday." You know. Yeah, and then someone gets shot doing that in the state of Florida. <laughs> it's a great idea. Um, but then that sounds but... kind of expensive. On, I mean, you know, <laughs> hiring people to go door to door to remind people to vote. Why not go do that? What? Listen. If you guys really want people to go vote, right, left, up, down, center, middle, uh, oscillating egg, you need to go get people to go vote. And the best way to do that is word of mouth, knuckles to door. And yes, it's expensive, but everyone knows Democrats, Republicans, you guys don't know how to use social media. You know who knows how to use social media? Donald Trump. You guys, it's like Donald Trump, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West. Those are the three people who are the best at social media. Um, and Chinese for making TikTok. But other than that, you guys don't know how to use So you guys can go back to the regular message, knocking on doors. Yes, someone, okay. right. someone, yes, someone might get shot. But listen, you guys got to take your shot. Uh, fair point. Um, I don't think our guest will be too upset that you didn't vote because uh, you're not in Tallahassee. Uh, Ryan Ray, today's uh, guest, is a commission aide for uh jeremy matlow who's running for city commission in tallahassee you're not voting there i guess it doesn't matter but i think it's a really fun conversation we have with him he is uh very well informed on the machinations of the 
Florida Democratic Party and just Florida politics in general. Uh, it's definitely our wonkiest episode to date. So hopefully people want to stick with us, especially after, you know, our previous episode. You know, we're we're going in a pretty different direction today. Yeah, I mean, the last podcast was wild, guys. Let's just be real. Um, We had a guy who had a sexual relation with a dolphin. Some of you guys were disgusted. Some of you guys wanted this guy's phone number. We're not going to give it to you. For the two guys in Phoenix who want to get Malcolm J. Burner's phone number and go to SeaWorld with him, no, it's not going to happen. What's going to happen, though, is you're going to listen to the podcast coming up, and you guys are going to learn about Florida politics. Especially Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, folks. And actually, if you do uh, pay $5 a month for this podcast, I will give you Malcolm's number. You will. And Isaac will also give me 50% of that $5 a month. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're more a, a 40-60 thing, but <laughs> we'll negotiate that in the next episode. <laughs> Definitely. Guys, stay tuned for part. For the next episode, we find out if this partnership is still fixed intact. Let's look at Florida, that most southern projection of the USA, which has been variously known as the Peninsula State, the Sunshine State, and even the Mermaid State. For the uninitiated, the mere mention of the word Florida calls up a kaleidoscopic mental picture of flamingos and alligators, boating, bathing beauties, and bottles of suntan oil. We're still figuring out the kinks in this show. I'm not here to kink sham. I mean, if you could kink constructive criticize, though, that's fine. That actually is my kink. Yeah. <laughs> Chris did did research. Very proud of Chris for did some research. Yeah, doing some research. Ryan, you don't have to do any research. You're you're tapped in, man. I'm plug, I'm plugging and playing. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing some some real ass research in the field in terms of how it how it how it be these days, man. And real real live action, uh, real 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 rounds being fired in the heat of a pretty intense uh, local election here in uh, Florida's capital city. Well, Ryan, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Um, well, um, it's nice to be here with you guys. I'm, yeah. Ryan. I'm Ryan Ray, um, long, live in Florida pretty much all my life. Grew up in Tampa, South Tampa, Florida, went to new college of Florida and I've lived in Tallahassee for, um, God, almost 10 years now came up here to do for basically a seasonal sessional, uh, a seasonal session job back uh, in March of 2013, doing um, build tracking and uh, that kind of stuff, tracking bills and appropriations for a law firm up here. And I began to uh, have a perverse uh, love-hate relationship with uh, the process, capital P, as folks uh, like to call it. And uh, I was uh, uh, worked on campaigns. I worked for a legislative research company called Lobby Tools. Worked for Gwen Graham for Congress uh, in 2014 up here. Um, was a journalist, was a working journalist, was a member of the Florida Capital Press Corps um, 2015 and 2017. And um, have been working for the last four years um, after working on the campaign of a local city commission candidate, Jeremy Matlow. Uh, I've been for the last four years working as an aide administering the office of city commissioner, Jeremy Matlow one of the five uh, citywide elected municipal uh, elected officials here at the uh, city of Tallahassee. So um, that's that's kind of who I am. 
were you uh were you always a political guy how'd you get involved in politics you know i not not to put too uh, not to be too cute about it but i like to really i think i got into politics by growing up poor you know i grew up in mm. florida my mother uh what you know we had the old uh the old paper style food stamps when i was growing up snap mm. and wick and i remember that being difficult and it's only gotten harder for people like that and so um great you know i did you know um kind of always had a political valence i think just by my existence and i like in a lot of places in florida in south tampa and tampa where i grew up in the Tampa bay area seeing and becoming very familiar with the sort of extremes of um people that are rich without working much beyond uh their needs beyond their wildest dreams beyond what their children whatever they could consume or their children's children consume and people very nearby like you see and where y'all are uh, in the sarasota area bradenton area where just across 41 uh you you get um uh, people that never worry about resources, never worry about having enough, and people who um, toil um, every day for for not nearly uh, near enough for what a dignified human existence in the richest country in the history of the world. Um, right, but, right. It sounds like you hate the American dream. Like, <laughs> I, I want to make not good. working. Come on. I want to make. I want to make good on the promise of the American dream. Yeah. What's that? Sounds like you're running for office right now, my guy. Uh, nothing like that. Nothing like that. Uh, not like Isaac. No. Uh, no. I, 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 I wanna, yeah, you're gonna be my my manager, by the way, in two years. I would love to parachute in. That's that's an area that's very important to me, and I think the super, you know, not to be cliche, but uh, really a bellwether area, a swing region of a swing state that I think is really important. So that I'm I'm glad, and it's really important for cool people with uh, good motives to be involved there. So love oh, I don't know about my good motives, but you know, <laughs> we'll see good vibes make, yeah good vibes you'll make me seem like a cool guy what yeah, was your i'm curious though like what was your first interaction with politics then as a young person did you wait till you're adult and what like what was that um you know it's so uh it's kind of like um I, you know I've put all our whole existence in our everyday life is political right but an actual sure. intervention direction directly into politics you know i'm but was a was a Democrat, you know, as, as as young as I can, or at least I was I was not a Republican for as long as I can remember. Um, and you know, my grandpa, my mother's dad, is a um, retired attorney. He ran for um, state house as a Democrat back in 2010, and that was a unique experience. I never had really paid much attention to the state legislature and the state government, and that was kind of my first taste of that stuff i was like hmm i see that obama won the state twice not that he was perfect by any stretch but more reasonable than his opponents and uh yet we have pretty extreme hardcore right-wing uh majorities in both houses of the legislature and uh really uh, hardcore out of step statewide elected republicans that are out of step with the the values and the views of the people that live here. And I was like, well, what's up with that? And I have come to become uh, familiar as a journalist, as someone who works. I was the um, communications director. I was telling uh, Isaac the other day, I, I was the um, communications director for House Victory, um, this, uh, sub an aspect of the Florida Democratic Party that does uh, House uh, state legislative campaigns. Yes, House Victory. Uh-huh, yep, yep, yep. Not a lot of victory sometimes, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, and I, I sort of started to realize that our politics is completely dominated by special interests, a few small people who are um, really, really um, uh, not coming from the same place as the vast majority of the people who live here um, kind of have a stranglehold on the process. And I said, oh, that's what this is. And so I began to as much as I could 
find a place that I could intervene and try to make a difference as well as I can. And so that's what I've, that's what I've been doing. Mm, so awesome. what makes, what makes Florida politics unique and different from the rest of the country? I mean, what's going on here? What, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on here? What's going uh, on here? <laughs> I, I, there, I, it's so funny that, um, it, there's a great uh, sort of classic political scientist, V.O. Key, that wrote on uh, 40s, 50s, that uh, did a study called a great classic monograph of uh, political science uh, study of, of Southern politics that I really recommend. I think it holds up a lot of it. It's called Southern Politics and the State and the Nation. And the chapter on Florida is subheaded Every Man for Himself. And I think that it's, <laughs> it, it, it's it, it, a lot of this stuff re- feels like it could just have been written last week. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of stuff here that is at play, the structural forces that make Florida politics the way that it is. Um, you've got in, in, say, Georgia, nearby Georgia, you've got um, a one huge metropolitan area that is in contrast to the areas around. You've got Atlanta that's dominated, liberal, urban. Uh, Democratic oriented, obviously all uh, elected officials in that area are are Democrats. Uh, Not that they're necessarily um, uh, great, but that they that that's their orientation partisan wise that the ecosystem of it is that way. And then you have outliers, you have exurban communities and rural communities around it. And the politics there is pretty straight up. It's kind of a contest there. And then sometimes like in 2020, the Democrats can make inroads uh, with suburban communities and voters that way, and 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 sometimes the enthusiasm of, of Republicans in the rural and exurban areas is depressed, and Democrats win. Usually, it's not, and Republicans win, and that's pretty kind of straight up, uh, pretty simple. Here in Florida, you've got um, a di- you've got a, a diffuse um, you've got a diffuse body politic when you're talking to Democrats, and so one thing that I think is really the Republicans. The, the, the RPOF, the, Repub- the state Republican agenda and the agenda of Ron DeSantis and the uh, legislature that carries his water uh, is not really particularly possible, uh, really particularly popular. It just pushes up against nothing. It just pushes up against a really fractured and incoherent um, force. Mm-hmm. So it kind of wins by default. And I think you've got things like our urban areas are def- people that are popular, popular Democratic politicians in Jacksonville or in Palm Beach County or in Miami-Dade are completely up unknown in Tallahassee or uh, St. Pete. Um, and so where the Republican, um, the Republican, uh, uh, the Republican uh, coalition is very homogenous uh, racially, demographically, and its, and, and, its, and its tenets are very easy to, to grab onto. Everyone can tell you what they are. It's very simple. It's a very easy and um, uh, unified hymnal that they're singing from what the Democrats what the Florida Democratic Party is, people that even do it for a living can't really give you a clear explanation of what that is. And so when you take that and then when you take breaking it and throwing it into eight or 10 urban centers that are that have that don't communicate well with each other. I think that's a recipe for, for what we have today. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't. There doesn't seem to be much of a, a bench of uh, Democratic figures in the state of Florida. Um and that brings us to kind of, I think, our first subject for, for this episode, which is the the, can, uh, the the campaign for governor. And obviously, you know, Ron DeSantis on the right, and now between uh, Nikki Freed and Charlie Crist on, I don't want to call it the left, but uh, in, in the blue. And I guess what I find so funny about this race is that Crist, former Republican, Freed, former Republican lobbyist, and this is like the best that we have in the, the entire state to put against Ron DeSantis. 
And so it, it does. It's like, what is the Democratic identity in the state of Florida? It, I mean, it is there one? Well, I used to work in the building, and I can't tell you exactly what it is, other than not the Republicans, and even not that so much. Um, you know, um, you're right about the bench. One of my one of my old saws, my little chestnut old saw that I like to say is that you have in terms of elected officials at the state level, you have Democrats who get drunk on power easily because they have such a low tolerance. <laughs> you know, we, we, we've talked about how you get, um, you know, Democratic elected officials at the state house level, for instance, immediately, even though a ton of resources are poured into electing them, let's say state house members, you can, there's a few, couple of clear examples of this just in recent years, um, who then, uh, instead of working as a team to get a foothold, oh, okay, we've got a Sarasota House uh, race, so we got a foothold, we can hold on to this with an incumbency advantage for a few years. If we link that with that, that means we don't have to spend as much resources there, we can move out to other places. Um, instead of that, you have this kind of, um, this kind of uh, incoherent sea of just kind of independent regional warlords that kind of <laughs> make up what the Democratic Party is at an elected officials level. Um, and you just year after year, you have the sands of new leadership is elected um, into these uh, it's a House victory and Senate victory, the kind of campaign apparatus of, of the Democratic Party. Uh, each time it comes in, uh, a new wave of a new leadership comes in, you've got basically someone that's elected that, that brings in their own folks, um, patronage, political patronage wise, consultants that are running the party. They bring in their own people. They have they bring in their own vendors. They have their own sort of idiosyncratic um, views and, and agenda. And you don't have anything that's sharing with each other. The Republicans are really really good at having a full time apparatus of people who sit there and their one job is to we're maximizing this number. All right, we've got seventy four members of the House. We need to get it. We want to. Our goal is to get a two thirds majority. Here's how we had to do, and here's how we need to do it. And they're good at at, at playing teamwork. Right. Democrats have, um, I mean, not only just they don't have that. They kind of have the opposite of that. We have a, a sort of um, a cartel system of political consultants who are often have financial conflicts because they also on the side lobby for interests, Republican oriented mm -hmm. interests that are private clients. I think that those things not only uh, watered down and make um, uh, not very cohesive the message of the party because they can't offend this constituency or that constituency on issues, be it, um, you know, um, AT&T, Disney, Mosaic Fertilizer, uh, FPNL in some cases, um, people that were payday lenders. Uh, these are issues that, that Democrats could really win seats uh, on opposing the agendas. Uh, of but instead since they kind of have to nerf themselves on this or this or this it kind of creates a patchwork mm -hmm. ideology that doesn't give people much to sink their teeth into and doesn't give people a lot of reasons to get out of bed and go vote so, yeah so what we have basically is the republican party and then uh, a corporate party in opposition i mean a party entirely beholden to corporate interests and because it seems like the and this is this is a nationwide phenomenon I think where the Democratic Party succeeds in defeat in a way. You know, it there it's a it's a better weird pole position for them to have to lose because then their fundraising operations continue and you know they have fundamentally don't change anything. So it it feels like if yeah it feels like this weird I don't know is kayfabe the right word it it they're not it's not a real opposition. 
you, it's easy to see that. I think that, um, you know, I was talking to some folks, Cardiff Krishnire, um, on the Flo- Florida Squeeze um, podcast. Um, shout out to them. Good, good blog. Um, they, uh, it, you see that not only do these things add up to kind of a de, a de facto um, kind of position of losing almost structurally or on purpose, with the recent uh, huge allegations about Democratic consultants participating in the huge FPNL ghost candidate scandal, you actually have actual sabotage and people li- right. li- directly working against the um, cause of electing Democrats. And so yeah, I, mean, I, think- I, just, I just totally agree with you. Adam Street and the big special interests, AIF, Associated Industries of Florida, the Florida Chamber, these have a stranglehold on the Republican Party. Uh, weirdly, Marco Rubio and Ron DeSantis might be the Republican elected officials most independent of them and the most uh, m- more going towards a populist uh, anti-corporate direction. But 90 percent of the rank and file um, uh, every day, you know, kind of uh, state house cogs in the machine, they're they're, con- they're controlled by them. And probably 70 or 80 percent of the Democratic elected officials are strongly influenced by them, too. <laughs> Um, and, and for those who uh, who don't know about the uh, the FPL scandal that has been basically making the rounds in the Orlando Sentinel and Tampa Bay Times and Miami Herald, uh, they found that a Democratic operative came up with a pretty sophisticated plan to sabotage uh, a promising young progressive Democrat in um, Broward, right? Uh, it was a Miami-Dade County, Jose Javier Rodriguez. Yeah. Who is honestly just, um, in terms of the quality of candidate, it's hard to overcome. It's hard to overstate what what a good, reasonable sound. I mean, I respected him a lot. I'm pretty cynical about these people. I really respected him and really had a yeah. lot of fondness for him. So they were smart to see that, you know, to let this guy was, was they to knock him out before he could gain a foothold in the state. Does, yeah, is there any grounds for litigation from his side regarding this? I think the Miami-Dade County State Attorney is is an I don't know what level of uh, investigating or prosecuting it is, but it is it is an open matter. Absolutely, at least in Miami-Dade County, if not other places. And uh, I mean, whether what what level of illegal behavior it rose to, um, the fact is that the Democrat, you know, the Democratic process was clearly, I think, um, admitted by all sides was was tampered with, uh, and, and the, right. the the voters were deprived of a fair election. And just just for a, a brief overview for those who don't know what happened. Uh, a a Democratic operative came up with a plan to sabotage uh, JJR's uh, upcoming state Senate re-election campaign um, by proposing running or, or he he crunched the numbers about uh, what it would take to run a, a candidate against him, a more corporate friendly candidate. And he basically said it's too expensive. Like it's not it, it, it would be tough. But then handed that information over to a Republican operative who handed that over to an FPL official. And then they came up with this next plan to run a ghost candidate, which was to run a fake candidate who was going to like, he was going to move to Sweden or something like that <laughs> uh, with the same last name, Ramirez. Surname, yeah. Uh, Rodriguez, and, yeah. and JJR would end up losing by 32 votes. And this ghost candidate got over 6,000 votes. There's so, no question. There, there's there's no question on either side, on any side of this that the ghost candidate did over uh, did over determine the the outcome. Yeah, it, he he JGR was felled was defeated by by means of this uh, scheme. Yes, right. And I guess what's what's so upsetting about it in particular is that this was something that the Democratic establishment of Florida 
was cool with. Like, you know, it's unclear how deeply involved they were in the ghost candidate aspect of it, but they did not want JJR. They they actively worked to get rid of him, right? This is an interesting point. So it's hard to say what the Democratic Party was or was not okay with because what it is is, again, so inchoate and, and, and so not cohesive with itself as mm. to really hard to even describe what or who is in charge. Like I said, you, you have a system here, which again, Vio Key in that book I was talking about describes every two or every four years, you have a new um, leader, de facto leader of the, of the Democratic Party, because whoever is nominated all of a sudden becomes the leader and their, uh, their, their cohort, of, their coterie of people around them sort of all of a sudden fill this vacuum of they're calling the shots and they're making the hires and they're calling the, the, the direct the shots in terms of messaging and stuff. Um, but yes, a, um, a, a one consultant who was a longtime hand in that world did produce this document, whether he produced it for uh, the purposes of eventually this being executed against him, we can't say, I can't say what's in his heart, but it is a, a, what ended up happening. And um, interestingly, this fellow was um, coexisted with me briefly, was on the way out as I was on the way in at House Victory. <laughs> and he is the nephew of a, uh, a former city, uh, former Tallahassee city commissioner, uh, who is uh, entirely hostile to us. And uh, so it's, it's a small world up here. It is a small world. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it, 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 it was a really it was a shame, though. And it's definitely fair to say that whether the Democratic Party or the the, the sort of apparatus of the party made it happen or allowed it to happen, who can say? But I'll say it is it is a sad comment that um, the Democratic Party as an entity wasn't strong enough to prevent it. And I love that his excuse was, um, no, I, I came up with this plan uh, to show that we shouldn't do it. You know, it's almost like. Uh, it's almost like Delilah saying, you know, I told the Philistines about Samson's hair just so that, you know, they knew not to like, don't go, don't cut Samson's hair off. You know, it's I, I find his excuse really fucking hard to swallow. Like, that's just not. <laughs> well, like, come, come this is a person who um, is, um, again, working in democratic politics from what I understand. So there is definitely a culture of failing upwards and no accountability for um for the disastrous failures you get the same they get the same consultants the same staffers over and over and over again it's like the worst of both worlds right you have no accountability like a college football coach or someone like that you have three bad seasons and you're done no such thing here you often find people that work for ridiculous like mike bloomberg for president a lot right. of suckers who work for that uh, i ever see in that office pop up in sarasota too yeah an it's odious crazy. totally ridiculous endeavor which by the way for the record just failed i mean on its own terms it just failed that miserably <laughs> yeah. you see these people floating up at the middle of the top or the top of the app of democratic party apparatus for what it is again and um like you said i think that there's actually an interesting point that goes even a little bit beyond that kind of like you were saying people a lot of these folks this the the, the, the florida democratic party consultant cartel as i sometimes think of them there's a there is more incentive or just as there's an equal incentive to lose as there is to win because you think about sort of the laws of institutions you definitely have a lot of people that have a lot of pull with a lot of elected officials and a lot of decision makers that would rather have a high position in a smaller coalition than grow the coalition and risk sort of having their power be diluted there even though everybody understands that growing it and bringing more people in is the only way to contend with the republicans for power right short-term thinking for sure and this yeah. is where my, my father likes to say like oh and people say this too but you know sports is pol or politics is just sports now you know it's like sports teams and i'm like 
sometimes, but in other ways, if you lose that fucking much, you're not playing. At least in sports, you have to fucking be good and try and win. Like, you can't constantly, like, you will be replaced by someone else. It's like the Washington Generals against the, uh, the Harlem <laughs> exactly. It really is. Chris, you were going to say something? Well, yeah. Um, you know, you speak about how there was some, someone of injustice with that, um, that Miami Day candidate. And right now, a lot of people are talking about Rebecca Jones, what's happening with her right now. And I'm trying to understand, like, I guess the judge, I guess she should have been um, sort of registered as a Democrat for an entire year, but she wasn't. And there was um, a lady by the name of Margaret Schiller who found this out. And so she's been disqualified, but she's on the ballot. But you talk about like sort of Democrats failing, like, you know, some people really found this woman to be like a hope for them because, uh, she was the one who took on DeSantis, got the press coverage, state and national. But like, she, there was this little minor oversight that her and her team didn't see. Like, I don't understand this. Yeah, Rebecca Jones. Um, I don't have a ton to say about her, but I chose <laughs> <laughs> a wrong topic. All right, uh, trans. No, well, that, trans no, I mean, I mean a, that, that's not a winnable seat, you know. But I do think that would be interesting to have a real competent challenge there. And, um, you know, I think that it, uh, the Rebecca Jones saga, uh, I think, just tells you a lesson about how desperate Democrats around the state are for anybody who just has any juice or any recognition, any name ID at all. Mm. And so let's talk about the one Democrat who seems to have some name ID right now, which is the uh, he's a lifelong Democrat, Charlie Crist, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Leatherface. Like he, I, I sent, I sent Ryan a picture. He looks like Baby Billy. Baby Billy Freeman. From um. Brother Baby Billy. Yeah, he looks like Baby Billy from uh the goddamn what's the TV show called? Righteous Gemstones. Righteous Gemstones. I mean, uh, I, I was, I was torn between Baby Billy and uh, George Hamilton for who charlie chris doppelganger is it's crazy how young he is and he's always looked that way too you know i can always he's, he's like ageless but he like when he was in his 30s he had like white hair or something it's kind of yeah crazy. he was my governor when i was a kid like i just remember him being like when we had to take tests i had to write him down as governor I just remember him yeah yeah he was the governor from 2000 you know charlie chris is an interesting person about his party identification he is something there's something that people call uh, the great, uh, like Jack Latvala, uh, Claude Kirk back in the day, and others. There's something there. He was kind of the very last of what people call the St. Pete Times Republicans, right? He was like a Republican that was relatively not into the culture war stuff that has now become a dominant force in today's Republican Party, but he was kind of like decent on stuff on the environmental issues and and um, kind of rational and, and had to. It was a Republican that was responsive to constituencies that lived in urban in urban areas. Um, so that's kind of I think actually, you know, I kind of push back against people that say that he's totally changed his stripes or whatever. I think he's kind of always been who he is. He's always kind of been a weather bane. He's always been kind of a person in the middle. I think there's something to be said for someone who just does whatever is popular at the time. But I think but, you know, um, he he has sniffed as, as Florida politicians go. Um, he has sniffed very rare air. I mean, in 2006, he was a, a, sure, a, a sure thing to be reelected for governor in 2010 had he sought reelection. He instead, in that crazy Tea Party year, um, decided to run for U.S. senator. He changed parties after the big Barack, infamous Barack Obama hug. 
uh, where he was basically thrown out of his own party. It's a crazy three-way race with uh, the Republican nominee Marco Rubio. Um, and 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 it's just the whole the Charlie the the life of Charlie Chris is kind of like the life of like Florida's politics. It's very um, mm. very fraught and very interesting. And he's kind of come along uh, come along the way with us. But yeah, inf- a, a very peculiarly Floridian character, Charlie for sure. So yeah, when he um, when he decided to run for Mel Martinez's seat in 2010, and this is like the 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 like the the height almost of the tea party right i mean this is when the tea party really hit the scene getting all kinds of figures elected including like desantis i believe i mean he was kind of a late tea party figure he was um, post, yeah post post nasal uh, the tea party drip yeah <laughs> i like that one uh but instead of running for the sure seat right and keeping a good governor in office he gave the seat up basically to rick scott who has to just be one of the most like viscerally evil people i mean you just look at him and you're like that dude is like he's bad like he has the he has the bad gene many people Um, find him unappealing yeah he's undefeated though i mean every single election primary in general he's ever won so fucking weird right i mean how the fuck this is how bad the democratic party is here it's like how do you lose to rick fucking scott that's crazy to me but how do you lose you have charlie christ give up the governor's seat to run in a basically uh, the polling was never in his favor the reason he left the republican party to run for that seat was because marco rubio took the mantle was well, he was the- gonna he was gonna win the primary and that is the right. optimal reason for his switch although with he was maybe always a kind of democrat at heart since he had that kind of bad instinct to give up <laughs> yeah he's a yeah for sure and so but this is where it gets really frustrating for me it's like um it seems self-serving in a way of christ to not recognize ah now's not my time or or just to stay as the governor a very popular governor instead he he, uh, he sabotages any chance the democrats might have had which they probably didn't but might have had to win that seat against marco rubio so what makes this race seem even sillier because again he ran again as a democrat against rick scott in 2014 2014 lost lost by one point which seems to be a a a theme in recent elections and for governor lost by one point and now he's running i don't know what happened in 2018 why didn't he run in 2018 well, 2018, um, he was. I think that was when he was running for uh, for one run Congress. For yeah, yeah, yeah. So now he's running again against DeSantis. I think as the same person, right? It is about like I, I, I see people say like a return, you know, f- returning Florida, going backwards, which is just I, I think uh, a mistake politically to ever say let's go back, but. It, it seems almost naive to me that that it's like not reading the political landscape. And I think Nikki Fried's trying to do a much more like calling DeSantis Hitler, calling him a fucking asshole or whatever. She's trying to play their game a little bit. But Chris is like, no, like this is who I am, who's like lost a lot recently and fucked up and hasn't really been too relevant for, you know, 10 years or so. This is who I am. And it, it just... I can't help but believe this is another failing upwards of the Democratic Party, just a fundraising machine. I mean, he's making he's pulling in cash because 
he's sending out these email flyers saying, oh, if we only raise like $35,000 today, we'll, we'll, we stand a chance against DeSantis. And I don't know if you've seen his tweets. Whoever's running his, his Twitter account is pathetic. They're the saddest tweets I've ever seen where, you know, he, he's asking. Here, here's an example from August 7th. Ron DeSantis will keep pushing the limits of our democracy with his authoritarian tactics. If we want to save our democracy, we must vote him out. If you want to help me defeat him, give me a follow to help me reach 150,000 followers by the end of the day. Oh, my God. Begging yeah. for, for followers and retweets? Like, I, find, I find, yeah, I find the fall the followers thing is, is oh limited God. in its effectiveness. Yeah, I think that he makes some good points. Otherwise, I, I, again, I, I, it feels like a, almost like a money laundering operation on Chris's behalf. I, I, I don't know. That's like my most cynical. Like, does he stand a chance? You think? I think that any. I think that for what it's worth, I think that he's probably our best foot forward from an electoral perspective, and I think that the betting markets and um odds makers uh, agree there um i think that anybody i mean the sheer amount of money that ron DeSantis has i mean florida governors get reelected. you know that's what happens and um that he's got this huge national prominence and national following um i think that any the any generic d next to your name i think you've got maybe like a 35 some 30 maybe 38 percent chance of winning and i think that's about what charlie christ has too so i think that, that if he has his best day of all time and ron DeSantis is mired in scandal or or perhaps the there's a wave that's precipitated by this um post row uh electoral mm-hmm. environment that might be uh, uh that might translate um uh, in florida for democrats then i think that that he's got a reasonable chance mm-hmm. um and i do and i, and I do i do think that 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 he is trying um, and I, I, I do, for what it's worth, I will say, I, I, I never thought that I'd be uh, defending Charlie Crist in a setting like this, but I, I do think that he does have an innate, I think that he has a non-ideological kind of concern, communal concern for Florida. Um, and I do think that he's troubled by some of the hardcore authoritarian tactics uh, and, and, and moves that we've seen from, from Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. suspending the state attorney um for kind of exercising prerogative exercising discretion what he will and will not prosecute um basically asking the legislature to cede their authority to draw their own maps uh, under the constitution which they did (laughs) Um, and that sort of stuff i do think that he's kind of a different character um he he does have different or different uh, an authoritarian streak to him that's different from just the run of the mill rpof thing and i think it does bother charlie chris and i do think for what it's worth that he is actually trying to win um but what that looks okay. like there's no clear there there, there, yeah. there is no clear path for doing that no, nobody yeah i think about who would run the state if if if, if, if chris were to if democrat were to win because it's like nobody is anybody that has any governing experience that was like a democratic appointed agency head or a, the, the administrator of a, of, a, of a state government agency in florida anybody that has any experience with that that goes back to lot and childs 1997 1998 you know these people are all they've all they've all they've all fucked off and done something else or they're lobbyists now or they, they they're they're not in the hopper to be these kinds of people so that's its own question it would take a it would be an entire it would be um it would be quite a thing. They'd be, they'd be, it's really uphill battle um, to, to try to take over the governor's mansion after 20 something, 25 years of uh, Republican rule. Well, we I, need I'm like an say... AOC. We need like the guy in Miami could have been like a Florida AOC, right? 
I do think that JJR was definitely like I think everybody saw him as a very likely statewide uh, figure. I mean, he's a Democrat, a, a Cuban Democrat. That's kind of like a unicorn person. You know, <laughs> yeah, had, right. <laughs> he had this. Um, he uh, among elected officials, he had this. I mean, he was just a like really, an everyman, like an everyman, right? Every person. Yeah. Well, you know, he had the pedigree of 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 you know he's a Harvard educated uh, attorney and a very serious person. But he did have a common touch, and he was a decent uh, retail politician. He was an expert on the issues, and he was a thoughtful um, policymaker. So, um, you know, I, I mourn, I, I mourn the loss of JJR, and I think that this stuff is really fucked up because it really um, put bad. It took it took it took power away from a good person and, and distributed it to to people that aren't as good, and that's uh, that's a shame, especially when it's done by such um, dubious means. Well, that's what I'm curious about. Like, uh, you have politicians like him who sort of come out of the sky you know and um they lose or they get thwarted by their own party but not a lot of them come back you can't you can't say that about other states there are other states where people keep attempting campaigns and they finally break the glass ceiling and they make it to whatever you know maybe they become senator or house representative uh, representative what have you that's not the case in florida like you said you have these sort of these um these career politicians in this sort of uh yeah like when was the last time we had sort of a someone come out of the woodwork who was the everyman or every person or so you know who wasn't a part of the establishment has that ever happened historically that you know uh the a person that was a retread that had been had been elected before and then came back we have that opportunity with charlie chris sure you know uh no um you're right there is something about that um you know we kind of had a traditional conservative um southern accent uh financial industry oriented cfo in 2006 who ran for governor in 2010 and, and, and was uh, uh badly beaten uh alex sink um and you had uh, you, again like as these private pockets of these pow- these small regional pockets of power produced these people um like andrew gillum was one you know he yeah. was kind of nominon a very talented i, I um, met him he's uh, nice he's really nice guy, politician yeah. right for lunch uh, obviously had 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 serious um flaws that that people that in the know knew about ahead of time and that thought that they were taking a gamble um but um but yeah you have you have people like this that kind of come that catapult to the front of the line because there really is no line um so yeah i mean i think everybody's just kind of waiting on something to happen um in, in terms of a, a new a new face of the statewide uh, democratic brand and that's why I think we got to look at like mayors, like start from the bottom, like sort of nurture them up. Um, I don't know if you guys are, you guys ever heard of the the county, uh, Holmes County? You guys ever yeah. heard of Holmes County? It's very I used to work there. I, brief, I briefly used to work. That was part of my territory in 2014. I've been to Holmes County, Bonifay and all that. Oh, did you know Zuko Guilfoyle? Uh, I, I was uh, known uh, to, to, to Zuko. I used to go to the supervisor of elections office and stuff there. And I think that we crossed paths. Probably, I know he he started just as uh, just like a, a, a pencil sharpener guy. He sharpened pencils for the for the mayor, uh, and then the mayor died there, and he took he got voted in as mayor, um, and uh, he's running on a great campaign. Was the mayor found dead with like pencils in his back or something? <laughs> hey. that... <laughs> like that joke. <laughs> it wasn't a good enough joke you saw the punchline coming um but uh but yeah i mean he's he's a really good guy like one thing that got him elected was he says he's gonna ban dish network from the county it, just no dish network he's only gonna have spectrum based. um 
Yeah, and he got elected that way. And I think, you know, you look at Charlie Chris, you know, he's not trying hard enough. He's not he's not showing up on the Steve Harvey morning show. He's not showing up <laughs> on 93.3 FLZ. He's not, you know, he's not – I mean, when was, when was the last time – does he play an instrument? Bill Clinton did the saxophone thing on Arsenio in the nineties. Charlie Chris, just give him a triangle, give him a, a recorder, harmonica, uh, go to Miami, you know, just like, uh, pretend that, you know, to know an instrument or something. Um, be these, a DJ there. Miami is just filled with like, yeah, fake musician DJs. Literally just get Diplo. Just Diplo's going to show up. I think he's going to show up in a few weeks in Miami. Like have Charlie Chris there. You know, have them do something with the uh, models. Um, you know, I think. Ultra, he'd be the first ultra governor. Hi, people. United at home. The world is going through difficult times. And America, too, actually. So, last night, I knew we were going to do this. And I made a special record. So this record is in honor of George Floyd. And I really hope we can see more unity and more peace when already things are so difficult. So shout out to his family. today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. No, but the Gillum, the Gillum, what's the, what was the pack Gillum started? It was like Florida forward. Yeah, Florida, something. Florida yeah. And then what, something like a hundred thousand dollars just poof went missing. Yeah. Is that the, John um, Mark, the whole John Mark thing or that's after that that's separate. Jam, shout out to John Marks, Tallahassee Mayor John Marks. Um, he got uh, trouble yeah. some shit too. He, um, this was, um, yeah, there's a kind of um, uh, article of faith, and it is true, um, that he people people bl- it was such a close margin, it was like 33,000 votes. And uh, Andrew Gillum had um, what some people speculate was enough to make a dent in that uh, deficit left in his political committee. And that political committee did uh, ultimately end up paying some of his legal defense fees. So yeah, that's that was that's that situation. Was if if you could pick any Florida man to be in charge of the Democratic Party, like non political figure too, like who you could pick Bubba Love pick? Sponge, whatever, who the fuck you want. <laughs> Damn, that gay swimmer, whatever you know. Hmm, I have to think about that. That's a great question. Uh, probably Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but his foreign policy is so bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, his foreign policy is always What about Flowrider? Flowrider. Flow Rider. That's right. Yeah, it's right there in the name. <laughs> um, I think I think Rick Ross would do would do well. But yeah, let's talk about some other uh, elections going on because uh, for if you haven't registered already, I think it's too late in Florida by the time this podcast comes out. But uh, the primary is on the twenty third. You'll get to relax by then, right? Yeah, uh, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not my, gonna say, my, not, my my boss uh my boss is 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 his reelection is on the twenty third. That's right. 
Um, so that's one uh, case. Do you want to do a talk about uh, what's happening in Tallahassee? Yeah, I'd love to talk about what's going on in Tallahassee. I hope I won't bore your listeners with the particulars here, but I think they're instructive to some broader trends. Um, I think that the the especially the the money that's in the in the in Tallahassee right now in this race is, yeah. is particularly interesting. Yeah, Isaac, it's uh it's wild. So for a small, you know, mid-sized city like Tallahassee, it is a little it kind of punches above its weight class in a lot of ways in terms of the political intrigue because of its proximity. It's of the 410 or so 400 and something city halls across the state of Florida. It's the only one that's right across for the street from the Capitol and right across from Adams Street in the headquarters of lots of big um, you know, business lobby, industry um, uh, headquarters uh, and groups that have a lot of political juice and, and uh, pedal influence, you know, as they're uh, for, for a living. So um, we have uh, a week, we have a week mayor, a council manager form of government where we have a professional manager that kind of splits executive authority with five city-wide elected uh, commissioners, my boss, Commissioner Jimmy Matlow, being um, the best one, and uh, my boss. And um, so um, this is really, they have generally have been sleepy affairs, right? Like you have some figures, like you have Scott Maddox, an uh, infamous local government uh, criminal who was indicted by the FBI and convicted on bribery and public corruption charges a, a couple of years, yet last year. What was um, a bribe? What was a bribe? You know, like what um, they, they get him with? It's kind of just boring stuff uh, involving development deals. He was basically was said that he would offer his favorable uh, favorable consideration on a development deal uh, from the city uh, for, for Hamilton tickets. For the Hamilton tickets were not a part of that, although it was probably part of uh, it. Probably the, the Hamilton tickets thing was a part of the FBI. The the, the corruption, the sort of backwater um uh the corruption that in tallahassee has become sort of famous for uh that brought the fbi to town uh was is it was kind of this part of the same operation yes can you imagine selling out your your constituents to see that terrible fucking theater i i i finally That's i watched the real crime yeah hamilton sucks dude it was bad i'm not a uh, anyway get back to uh your yeah, boy, what's, what's your guy gonna, if your guy would sell out for something what do you think he'd sell out for I think that he's too committed to the public interest and the uh, the, uh, the 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 common good that the residents and taxpayers of, of Tallahassee even think about something like that. But I do. Uh, I uh, bet you if they gave him keys to that secret club in Disney, he'd be like, "All right." Yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard about this. It's kind of a fun sideshow lately. The F Florida Power and Light has like a secret bar. Yeah. Have you guys heard? This is actually kind of interesting because this is literally across the street. I mean, if you got a good arm, you could like hit it with a baseball where the place is from City Hall. Uh, and, uh, you know, they have this pretty funny. I don't know if Chris, if you're aware of this, if you read, there's a political article recently the other day that talks about this. About the city of Tallahassee, by the way, the, the mayor's, uh, the current mayor, John Daly, Andrew Gillum's direct successor. Not the comedian. Pardon me? Not the comedian, right? No, no. Um, he is the uh, well. In some ways, am I right, folks? It's a, a bit of a clown. Uh, but uh, his his wife is a, a lawyer and a lobbyist for none other than Florida Power and Light. And uh, I'm sure that he's frequented this place. Um, not alleging that necessarily, but uh, you know, it would make it would stand to reason. And uh, so there's a bar where lots of elected officials at the state level and. Um, and uh, the uh, staffers and people that are influential in the process, and of course other lobbyists, 
um, kind of go and hang out. And it's kind of funny. There's a gift ban. This is interesting. There's a zero dollar. It's kind of a unique uh, among states. The whole thing was kind of there as the, the state lawmakers and big officials like state agency people that are involved with procurements. In some states, there's different rules you have to disclose if you accept a gift from a lobbyist, this or that. You know, you could, there's a limit on it. In Florida, kind of by accident of history, um, someone made a was playing chicken on this ethics reform thing, and someone said, "Okay, well, we're just going to blow the whole up and say we're going to make a zero dollar, a full gift ban." And then the other chamber said, "Okay, fine, we'll sign it." And it kind of became the rule against really against what everyone's intentions were. But anyway, so there's a zero dollar. A lobbyist cannot, a, 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 a elected official, a state lawmaker cannot take any money, cannot take anything of value at all, a bottle of water or whatever, a cup of coffee, from anyone that's a registered lobbyist. And yet there's a bar at FPNL where that is frequented by lawmakers and people in the process by the dozens. And so there's kind of this catch 22 that's interesting there. You've got the probably the biggest, most politically um, uh, aggressive special interest in town that has a bar, that has a lounge that has uh, that offers hospitality to lawmakers and staffers and people. And they don't have a liquor license. Uh, right. So they can't sell alcohol. So they must be giving it away but they're giving it away to people who can't accept it. <laughs> so you've got this really weird thing where there's an honor, there's like a cup where you're supposed to put some money in. The, the, the container, uh, Randy Fine called it. The container, yeah, the honor yeah. container where who there's no way of knowing whether that matches up. I'm sure it doesn't match up to the right. value of the liquor that's consumed. But so they're either running a, an illegal speakeasy, which is actually kind of cool, or there are people are improperly, or they're, they're providing improper gifts to people that shouldn't be taking them. Either way, Florida Power and near city hall in tallahassee is a den of uh of iniquity no question and, and uh, uh your your boy jeremy matlow yes. never been to the bar no i don't think they would they would invite him but when the when the uh, inducements come out uh they they don't even bother with with him no <laughs> would you he's go too, he's too straight and narrow um but maybe back when i was with the party nowadays i don't think so i i, I don't think i would have a good time i don't drink Sure. Uh, anymore and I, I i don't i i i quit drinking a couple months ago and i quit hanging out with people that are lobby for florida and power and light even even longer ago i feel you man but hey liquid death in the parking lot i mean oh, that's dude. chill right yeah you gotta drink your liquid death in like uh a paper bag <laughs> yes you gotta yeah keep it real yeah no it's so 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 anyway to, along these lines right um, you have this proximity to kind of mid-sized straight city government stuff, which city and county government is really kind of a, it should be ordinarily be a boring affair. Uh, you're talking about zoning, you're talking about land use, you're talking about where we where we want to invest in our infrastructure, roads and bridges and things like that. Um, occasionally there's a high profile issue, but really it's not super interesting. Um, however, this year it's gotten, it's, it's drawn a great deal of political intrigue. Um, my uh, boss's opponent, uh, a person who is uh, very much associated with Scott Maddox, uh, the aforementioned former commissioner. Zuko and, and Guilfoyle, Nick. right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Scott Maddox is sort of a person that's a long-term friend of his and whose long-term employee and a consultant uh, works for this guy, is, is running the campaign of this guy, David Bellamy, who is running against my boss, Jeremy Matlow, has raised... Uh, conservatively, a quarter of a million dollars. That's just in hard campaign money. And when you include political committee that he's got, that's got 70, or last time I looked, 70 grand or 80 grand at least, plus uh, benefiting from two 
count them two 501c4 groups, which are dark money groups, the classic groups that don't have to uh, disclose their the source of their funding and don't have to disclose how much they're taking in or spending. All of this constellation of souped, crazy, um, uh, really sophisticated electioneering machinery is all pointed at uh, my boss, Commissioner Jeremy Matlow, for the crime of being a, a straight arrow and a straight up guy and kind of cutting off the free money spigot uh, that uh, these people have, uh, the people around the process who have been involved in the Andrew Gillum and Scott Maddox scandals have been sort of feasting on uh, for, for a long time. And so there's a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of, um, of intrigue and state political players getting involved in these really, at the end of the day, pretty, pretty uh, small potatoes um, uh, city municipal elections here in Tallahassee. And it's been quite an interesting experience, I've got to say. How uh, your opponent, uh, Craig Bellamy, he David. said raised David Bellamy. Dr. David Bellamy, yes. Um, raised $400,000, right? You said? Yeah, he's in his hard campaign, it's like at least 300000 and then it's hard to it's hard to appraise the value of the C4 stuff. But if you put everything together, I would say definitely half a million dollars in terms of total money that's benefiting him politically. Yes. And, and how much money do you guys have to play with? So it's kind of funny, right? There's there's something like uh, there's there's like 15, there's like a dozen or maybe more real candidates that are viable in the city and county elections that are on the ballot this cycle. And of all of them, our my guy, Jeremy Matlow, has the third highest amount. So it's, he's no slouch. I think he's raised like 150 grand, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but five this is a lot of money. But uh, still, nonetheless, uh, our, our hardcore Republican uh, special interest oriented candidate has raised more than double. So we're being outspent like really three to one. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Chris. What was that? No, no, you're good. I mean, your guy's going to win. Your guy's going to win. I believe so. Yeah. But they got, he registered, he's got a C4, right? So this shit's going to explode in his face. I mean, yeah, he's going to lose. You know? I, so that's an interesting question, right? I mean, I, I think the negative the negative stuff, which you can talk about if we want to. And, and yes, I think people, it's a little off-putting. I didn't ask a question. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the off, it is a bit off-putting and strikes people as, frankly, weird and sketchy. That it's like, why? There's a city commission job that pays like 38 grand. You're one of five at-large city commissioners you know, that's making decisions about land use and stuff. Why are you raising half a million dollars from John Thrasher, uh, Southern Strategy? Oh, the FSU uh, guy, right? Yeah, former president, former House Speaker, former president of Florida State University, one of the yeah. state's largest institutions, uh -huh. hardcore Republican, uh, partisan person. Uh, big deal, a big name in Florida, endorsed our opponent and donated the maximum um, and involved in electioneering for, for David Bellamy. Um, is you know, he named after the of, Bellamy building? Bell the, the building Bellamy, named yeah, after he, he, is the yeah. building named after him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is the same Bellamy as as the building in Florida State. Yeah. How do you know about that? To, well, I I went to FSU. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Is he related to Bill Bellamy? I'm not sure. I know that his um, okay. father, Ray Bellamy, is a great guy, uh, and what he actually donated to Commissioner Matlow's re-election before his uh, son filed against us. <laughs> and his mother, uh, Carol Bellamy, was uh, by all accounts a great lady, and she was kind of a, a neighborhood-oriented liberal mayor and commissioner in the '80s. Um, and she's she's passed, and so yeah, he comes from a family that's really well respected, and um, I don't think that his the campaign that he's running. Uh, Rep reflects their uh their legacy very well yeah man you know and and so what's happening in tallahassee is not unique in the state of florida you have all these typically like small even like administrative positions where you know 
yeah, six figures are flooding in. Like shit's juiced, right? That's the that's the word you use. Like this is like the the most juiced election cycle. Mm-hmm. It's all ju- and it's full of political juice. Yeah, it's all juiced up. It's and it's funny because I mean, you and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, for as long as I can remember, it's about rocking the vote, right? You know, getting everybody involved. You know that would solve all our problems if only more people were tuned and tapped into politics. That's kind of blowing up in our face like it's it's kind of it's funny that as as more people get involved in politics it's actually getting way more insane well i see what you mean there's a level of activity that i see see i see so our our thing locally and again tallahassee has a very uh it's a really highly educated like by educational attainment it's one of the highest uh it's really well educated and people also care about the public sector and generally there's just like a communal concern which is pretty cool and people really care about civics and people care about the government. So our project, the, the project that, that Commissioner Matlow uh, is engaged in, um, you know, the candidates that were endorsed by us um, and supported by us swept the competitive elections in 2020. We're all about bringing more people into the process. But yeah, in terms, yeah, other other places, uh, you know, when people, more people in the villages are voting at an 80, 90% rate, yeah, you're not gonna get outcomes that are good for working people or for the values that, that, that we probably share. Um, and it is interesting. I mean, I, I do. I, I, it's a good point, Isaac. I do. Would, I would say that this effort of all these Adam Street Republican people, all of these uh, process people across the street on the state side getting involved with this um, is definitely of a piece of something that you're describing, this broader effort of Republicans and conservative forces trying to dominate local down ballot stuff. The Moms for Liberty uh, you, uh, the phenomenon, right? Where you got Mom, mom's force. I love they put mom in front of any fucking word right now for their their organization. Hey, moms, moms are Dude. moms are hot right now. Moms are happy. I, I love my mom. Yeah, same. Shout out to shout out to our all of our moms. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no. It's, so I, th- I think you you make an interesting point that's I think still somehow slept on, which is the way that they're taking. You got the governor endorsing in school board races, districted school board races that are basically these school board members i love our school board brothers and sisters and they are cool and they do important work but it's really kind of like a part-time job and you've got (laughs) where you don't have staff you don't have a ton of it it is important and it's super important i'm not saying it's not but to have the governor you have multiple candidates in some districted small part of a county for a school board race vying or representing that they vying for the, the endorsement of the governor is very unusual. And I think here in Tallahassee, we do see that kind of um, really intense, sophisticated political, pure raw power being used at the local level for sure. And th- there was that Washington Post article that came out recently about the, the hospital board race in Sarasota. And I, it's it's funny watching like this blowback in real time with uh, the, the Republicans have created this Frankenstein's monster of just bored people like politics is entertainment now and when i went to a school board meeting and just watching these people get just jazzed up to give their their minute-long comment that they've like been preparing for and i was watching this feel like rehearsing it and they'd get up there and they'd you know stomp their feet and just accuse them the school board members of all kinds of stuff it's it's wild stuff um but it's starting to backfire and, and this the the hospital board race which yeah, talk current, that, that's an interesting. We talk a little bit about that. How is that playing out down there? Is there sort of hospital, the hospital board campaigns? All I know is that the hospital board is already dominated by Republicans. 
But you have these four new people vying for, I think, four of the five seats who are just out there. I mean, these are people who – I don't want to get into COVID stuff, but we're – are, are, we're mad that uh, the Sarasota Memorial Hospital didn't offer them ivermectin, right? And so there's this uh, tactic they're calling that. it me- medical freedom, medical freedom. That's that's what they're saying. And so th- these died in the wool, like conservatives, lifelong Republicans who have made the Sarasota Memorial Hospital, like a, I think a pretty decent hospital, not good enough. So they're 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 the monsters that they've created that they let they sat back and like ah oh, you know they're they're on our side enough like they're getting our guys elected well now it's biting them back in the ass so it's it's always fun watching like blowback in real time and how quickly it's happening so I'll be curious to see what happens exactly and if these kinds of characters like the school board members who are being threatened would then look at someone like Ron DeSantis versus Charlie Crist and say. Do we keep? Do we want to keep going in this direction? Because this is they where it's it. starting from. Yeah, I don't think they can stop. It. Yeah, you do. You do, people do describe a phenomenon of like you know the lunatics taking over the asylum when it comes to this. You know, you've got uh, some of these uh, ext- you know, in my opinion, extreme right wing politicians, Republican politicians in Florida that kind of rode the back of the tiger and stoke this kind of anger, uh, and then they're ending up inside of the tiger now, and it's overcoming. Yeah. I think this is an interesting. This is an interesting case uh, competency, familiarity with the material that a hospital board member deals with. Those kinds of stuff seem to be kind of shunted off to the side and who can uh, posture in the most extreme uh, way seems to be winning. And you, you've seen, I've been, I've been watching as a reporter, as someone who's participated in the political process at the state level for years, I've been observing this uh, for, for like a decade now, reliably in, in one of these, in these, in these deep red counties and, and, and districts. Whoever is able to communicate that they are the most extreme right wing candidate reliably wins. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's interesting that it's coming home to roost in that way. One sort of wrinkle in this that I think is interesting is, um, you know, at the same time, while they're doing these small, uh, while they're increasing the power and increasing the profile of school board members, uh, the, Repo- the small government, haha, uh, Republican majority in Tallahassee is not only of course severely preempting the power of cities and counties which i think is speaks for itself i don't think that's very popular it goes against the constitution that enshrines home rule authority and there's a long time been a sort of uh, a non-aggression pact there's been sort of an understanding of uh, uh states respecting the cities and counties jurisdiction over over issues that only impact people within the city or county that's totally gone away and totally been preempted and this the state government's extremely been uh, and made extreme incursions into that but at the same time when you get uh, at other local boards, like so, every single county has a soil and water uh, board, a soil environment, a soil and water uh, supervi- board of supervisors, which is kind of a, 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 a um, goes back to the New Deal era. Um, those have been uh, the state legislation has gotten uh, even as they're beginning to now pour millions of dollars in the school board races, and you have governors and big time Republican politicians making endorsements and taking sides in these races. They're getting rid of they've really they almost they came this close to just abolishing the soil and water boards. And instead, they ended up passing some bill that makes it just really shitty to do. do you have to be in some cases, you have to be uh, like a member of the agricultural community. You have to have a certain background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, and, and, and it makes it a pain in the ass to like get qualify on the ballot otherwise and stuff. So um, you see that these things, these principles are not applied evenly and therefore aren't really principles. It's just a pure right wing power play at every level. 
what's your take on the uh you know the anti-woke laws like you know the right now the schools are their entire like sort of civic curriculum is being changed right now and i think certain teachers now school's gonna start in a week or two they had to take like a three to five day this week course yeah i think yeah, i think week. up here it starts on wednesday on wednesday yeah and essentially it's this um sort of the blanketed um sort of like incursion to just thwart any sort of woke ideology in schools and so they're saying things like you know i think uh you know uh, thomas jefferson george washington uh you know uh they weren't bad guys you know like uh but it's uh i know a lot of teachers are upset at this upset about this. What, what are your what are you hearing on the capitol uh on adam street regarding this obviously it's all it's part of desantis's like you know what he what he wants to do with the state but yeah yeah well it's definitely part of his posture i'm i'm tempted to make to joke about it but i just can't it's just so um it's so tragic it's so shitty it's so fucked up man is my view about it um yeah i i think you're referring to you know they're trying they've been they've taken steps to answer uh to kind of have a solution that was really never to to something that was never a problem it was never uh, a problem yeah. critical race theory is now banned uh in like elementary right. schools which i'm not sure there's a ton of critical race theory being taught in public schools at fourth grade but they don't even yeah. do the the blue that eye was, test anymore with kids you know what i mean that was that was my favorite class that uh miss cantillo taught me in first grade yeah critical race theory yeah. yeah i love this i love the the critical race theory uh spelling bees that we would do in, in fourth grade <laughs> yeah but no i mean uh, look man it being i have lots of friends that are teachers Back where I'm from and up here and I'll tell you they're pretty unified in the fact that it sucks now um they, their lives are harder they're already underfunded their unions are under attack and now they're looking, they're, they're pretty, yeah well in many cases they are being decertified which is yeah. which is which is pretty tragic but yeah no they um they 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 find they're now for the first time being held civilly or in some cases I think maybe criminally I'll say at least held liable civilly um, and then can they're, they're, they're and held responsible to the point that their their certification be, can be revoked I heard permanently. About that. So yeah. their, their, their livelihoods can be revoked uh, permanently, um, and they can be held uh, liable in in, in court for uh, referring to homosexuality or homosexuals or anybody that has, that is, participates in any sort of robosexual homosexual any anything other than a you know, quote-unquote you know yeah. a heterosexual uh, sure. a, a nuclear family and 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 the, the the whitewashing of history that's happening a state mandated way um is it is it is it is autocratic it is sure. out of control it's wrong yeah. and, and i really but, wonder i think it's gonna it's gonna damage people's critical thinking but this skills thing, I, I, people up but I think it's like cyclical. This happens like every 10, 15 years in Florida where like, you know, what was that case? I think in Tampa, St. Pete, there's an elected official went to a library and saw like a pride display. And she was like, no, we take all the gay books out of the library. And this happens like every 10, 15 years. So mm -hmm. I, I'm hope, hoping, you know, we'll just get over this hill. The thing that I'm concerned about is there's this, uh, you know, if you're a veteran, and you just have an associate's degree, um, you can be a teacher, which is a slap in the face to all the teachers who have COVID burnout. Teachers aren't leaving because they don't like the profession. Wages aren't going up. COVID burnout was real. Um, they were not given any support. Um, 
at, at all. I mean, yes, you we got uh, dividers. They give us dividers and extra PPE equipment. Like, Here's some gloves. You're good. Here's some gloves, some sanitizer. But um, you know, teachers had to deal with a lot. Um, and uh, no disrespect to the veteran community or anything, but like, wh- what is this? Who is this supposed to help? What like what is this? Is this like an some sort of power play to get votes from veterans? I don't understand na- it. Na- na- national politics for DeSantis. I mean, uh, the state of Florida has what, like the third highest uh, veterans military service? Yeah, so I, I mean, it's it's a Big pretty time. naked It is probably on that level, that. and I think that's something that's slept on in this. And by the way, on to this point, uh, you know, Commissioner Matlow, uh, my boss, um, joined on with local teachers unions to file suit against the governor for making them come back making people during COVID, pre-vaccine COVID, making teachers work in buildings that were, the windows couldn't open and were manifestly uh, unsafe uh, workplaces, literally exposing them um, by threat of being fired to expose themselves to being infected by COVID before a vaccine existed. Pretty pretty insane stuff. But I would say another underlooked aspect of this, I think you're right, uh, uh, Isaac, that, uh, that it is about culture war posturing, but there's also another element at play here, which is the Republican Party in Florida is deeply committed to a long-term project of deprofessionalizing and de-unionizing teaching as a profession. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, this is of a piece of that. So it's Bring one of those- on the charter schools, I say, right? Yeah, I, I think that's, Jesus I think you're Christ. absolutely right. That's, um, I think that just as you mentioned, uh, you know, everything's going to go to court. Uh, I think that I'd be curious to see how how much these cases stand up, but you can have some disgruntled parent say, "Oh yeah, my uh, my teachers or my kids' teacher referred to like Liberace or something like that." Yeah, we watched the Take- uh, the candelabra during on um, Fun Friday <laughs> behind the candelabra. What's up with this? Or like, uh, and and so I, I think that DeSantis is so stuffing the courts with these ridiculous cases that I, I think will fail uh, by and large. I think that the constitution will uphold most of these, these people's ability just to like function normally. Um, you got, you got politi- so expensive. You've got, pol- you got politicians in robes and a lot of people used to hang their hats on the fact that some of these most, most extreme uh, things would be struck down in courts. But now you've got the, you've got Republican politicians in, uh, interfering so much in the judiciary putting term limits and putting age limits and that sort of thing on on judges that you've now got uh, after more than 20 years of republican uh, unitary republican rule in uh, mm. state government there is no appeal to any higher um to any higher court and what's constitutional is uh, the ultimate arbiter of that is the florida supreme court and uh, that's got a heavy um, supermajority of uh, pretty, pretty, very conservative jurists. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we've got we, we're seeing here we're, we're ahead of the curve, as usual. I, people say that well, I, people say that Florida is this weird, the Florida man phenomenon and all that. People say that Florida is this weird thing. I like to say my, my view is I think Florida is like America, but more so. Florida is just further down the road of where what america is and where it's going than other places yeah future and, uh, happens here first exactly and when you have um when you have um it, it's become pretty clear here for a long time that these that these jurists that these judges are are politicians in robes a little more than politicians in robes mm-hmm. and um I, I i too i share your concerns uh chris that um um that that these are i'm sorry isaac that um that 
these these things as as absurd on their face and illegal and against the constitutional rights of of, of teachers as they 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 seem to be and to me clearly are. Uh, I I don't have much faith that they'll be struck down at all. And and even if the you know justice is upheld, I think that it'll just cost so much money that it, it is the 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 controlled demolition of the public education system in Florida. Hmm. I think that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're going to be quite effective at it. The other, the last thing I really wanted to talk about, just another, just to keep... Public li- education is, esen- in that regard, public education is essentially Building 7. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, why stay the, in Florida then with all of this happening? Well, hold on one, one second. I, 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 and then we can... I, I, I would definitely want you to ask that question afterwards. As... The one more thing that's on the ballot that everyone's going to get to vote for yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, Florida Amendment 2 to abolish the Constitution Revision Commission measure. And, you know, when you read it, it's I, I don't think your average voter is going to know what the hell they're even voting for or against. Mm-hmm. But effectively, uh, it's to end a uh, a. a, 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 a a facet of the Florida Constitution where a 37-member commission uh, that meets every 20 years to propose changes to the state's constitution and then refer them to a statewide ballot for voter approval or rejection, they're just trying to get rid of that. Yeah. Uh, the CRC been, is, is, is – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and gonna, and It's been proposed by Jeff Brandis, a uh, – pretty heavy republican hitter in the state legislature he's actually an unorthodox person yeah he has, he's like he has a, he's like a libertarian um a streak and he really does he actually has stood up and he has fallen out of favor by leadership and he's been kind of blackballed for his unorthodox positions on things actually insurance i, I saw the, the hurricane insurance he's certainly no he's certainly no no liberal but uh he 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 definitely has been willing to buck and bring um, mm-hmm. I think actually, as, as things go, he he's been a, not 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 at all the worst uh, state lawmaker over the last. He's, little he's while. no Randy Fine. No, no, he's not Randy Fine. No. Oh, and I was but, thinking before I was reminded just out of Rhonda Storms. I think you're referring to her uh, earlier, Chris, about the moral panic in schools. Yeah, Which that was just, her. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there is always a moral panic that uh, that that occur, that uh, that comes up every once in a while. But the difference is this time it's prevailing and it's becoming it's becoming. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's it's actually statewide now. It's not just in a, ca- a specific county or anything like that. There was all there was always a big constituency for that, but it was always a minority. And, and now um, yeah. it's, that's less clear. This one. The, yeah. The, the culture war does feel different. This go around, especially because it's not religious. Now it's like it, it's a secular homophobia, uh, which is bizarre. But I want to say that. Uh, I didn't Paul, consult. just pure resentment. Just towards the pure resentment. Towards it is. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't consult with Chris about this, but I want to say that uh, our the Cheeseburger and Babylon uh, podcast officially uh, rejects uh, Florida Amendment Number Two. Uh, I just want to sound like we're we're smarter than we are by saying this, but I respect that. Uh, it is effectively this 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 amendment well, we don't we don't endorse or endorse anything or against anything we're not we're nonpartisan though i thought we were nonpartisan i uh, i i am an activist asshole journalist i would never pretend <laughs> uh, otherwise 
Yeah, but, a, lot, but a lot of a lot of nonpartisan orgs will endorse in non nonpartisan elections yeah. like ours, for the, instance, or, or or on issue on issues like uh, like constitutional amendments, because you know the uh, the editorial board of Cheeseburger in Babylon uh, rejects <laughs> says vote no on Florida Amendment Two because this is also a phenomenon that's happening throughout the state of Florida and happened recently in Sarasota. It's going to be on the ballot. Is Florida's pretty unique in its uh, the citizens' ability to propose amendments and change the constitution, and this vote is just another one of the many uh, uh, little, like, uh, death by a thousand cuts of just removing uh, the citizens of Florida's ability to change our Constitution. So, you know, again, it seems pretty innocuous when you read it. Like, I I don't think most people are going to know, but it is just another way to prevent people from getting shit on the ballot, which is kind of cool that Florida the Florida citizens can, we can amend our constitution or we could amend our constitution a lot more easily these days. So I don't know if you have anything else you want to uh, add to that. I think you're just spot on about that. I think you're just spot on. I mean, um, you do in some places have overkill for California's proposition system. I think, and the recalls are a little too easy there, a little too easy there, but I think the the only, the only victories that working people and frankly the vast majority of the people, the political interests of the majority of people have won, have been in these statewide uh, amendment uh, initiatives, and um, they. Uh, you're right. There's a, been a, a long-term, multifaceted political project by um, the most um, conservative elements of the Republican leadership in Florida to dilute the people's, uh, to diminish the people's. Um, ability to change the law and you know it used to be there's a there's a series of checks and balances in in in, in our in our republic um uh theoretically where if, if you don't get what you want from the legislature or the executive branch um uh, uh, there there is a there's a recourse that you have you can go directly to the ballot and sort of overrule them that is being taken away and that's what this mm-hmm. is about so i i agree with you i i, I also won't be uh, now, the, the Constitutional Review Commission's in practice, you know, it kind of is just kind of whatever. There's a formula for how those for how those that membership is formed, and it's mostly heavily um, appointed by the governor and that sort of thing. So it's kind of, you know, it's it's kind of neutral in a values way. It's just kind of it takes on the character like tofu. It's kind of it, it will take on the character of the people that appoint it. Right. But uh, nonetheless, more conversation and more discussion of changes of Florida's political system is good and more right. access for the voters to change their government uh, is good, especially when their lawmakers are failing them. So I, I agree with you. I, I won't be voting for it. Yeah, no one to everybody. Uh, and Chris, want to ask your question, though? Well, I was going to ask you, like, you know, we talked about in the beginning of the podcast how the Democrats have this culture of losing upwards and generally just sort of like always shooting themselves in the foot. Um they um, handicap candidates who might actually get somewhere and, and take the party to to the next phase and endorse candidates that are probably going to fail. Why why still work in the Democratic Party in like what make why, why still? Yeah. Why work in the party then? Why work? Why, what I, I, make I, candidate, I left, candidate any different? I, I left the party. You know, we're, we're doing nonpartisan race. Here, um, you know, my my candidate, uh, my, my boss, um, I think, has works on stuff and I think participates in the political system in a way that transcends and really doesn't have a lot to do with the Democratic Party. Um, 
And uh, why stay in Florida? Because eh, Florida rules. I mean, you know, the, these bad decisions are being made by a thin ribbon of an elite uh, and a political apparatus that's really badly out of touch with the people of Florida. I still believe in the people of Florida and I still believe in the project of Florida. Um, and I think that one of these days, someday, somehow, we can, uh, we can free ourselves of the, uh, of the predicament that we're in today. We gonna sing and we gonna dance! Playing in the street, look at me outside of waving. Just to 